First Samuel chapter 16, and we're going to look at just a few verses. First Samuel 16, and we're going to start with verse 13, and we're going to go to verse 23. All right, First Samuel sixteen thirteen. Uh, it's out of the New Living Translation says. So as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of olive oil he had brought and anointed David with the oil. And the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. Then Samuel returned to Ramah. Now the spirit of the Lord had left Saul, and the Lord sent a tormenting spirit. That filled him with depression and fear. Some of Saul's servants said to him, A tormenting spirit from God is troubling you. Let us find a good musician to play the harp. Whenever the tormenting spirit troubles you, he will play soothing music and you will soon be well again. All right, Saul said, Find me someone who plays well. And bring him here. One of the servants said to Saul, one of Jesse's sons from Bethlehem is a talented harp player. Not only that, he is a brave warrior, a man of war, and has a good and has good judgment. He is also a fine looking young man, and the Lord is with him. So Saul sent messengers to Jesse to say, Send me your son David the shepherd. Jesse responded, by sending David to Saul along with a young goat, a donkey loaded with bread and a wineskin full of wine. So David went to Saul and began serving him. Saul loved David very much and became his armor bearer. And David became his armor bearer. Then Saul sent word to Jesse asking, please let David remain in my service for I am very pleased with him. And whenever the tormenting spirit from God troubled Saul, David would play the harp. Then Saul would feel better and the tormenting spirit would go away. Amen. There is an anointing that destroys the yoke. First Samuel 17 is one of my favorite biblical stories. I loved it growing up. I loved it in Sunday school. Anybody go to Sunday school here? Um, loved it growing up. It was, it's just a fantastic story uh, of the incredible God that we serve. We have this man named David who is facing this Goliath, who some uh, theologians argue uh, that he was somewhere around nine feet, nine inches. So you can imagine the, uh, the enormous giant that this was. It was like uh, a Rottweiler versus a Chihuahua on that day. But but it didn't matter the size, it mattered God. It didn't matter the size of the obstacle, the size of the challenge. God was the changing factor and the determining factor in the life. And that is the difference between you and, and me and, and the people in this world. We are just grateful. We are grateful. We are to, to remain humble. We're, we're grateful for God's favor. 
We're grateful for God's provision. We're grateful for what God does for us. Amen. There's people, there's people in this place that, that you, uh, that you uh, stepped up in different places. And it wasn't because uh, you had more qualifications. Uh, the resume may have looked better than yours, but you had more God. And that was the factor that, that paved the way. So I love 1 Samuel 17. It, it is an incredible chapter. And I know you're wanting to raise your hand and tell me, but we just read 1 Samuel 16. So what does that have to do with it? Be before there's a 1 Samuel 17, there has to be a 1 Samuel 16. Before David experiences one of the greatest victories that he has in his life that we are still talking about today, that we are still just in awe of, there had to be a 1 Samuel 16. And, and we just read a good portion of it. We, we always tend to see the highlight, but we don't see the progress that one takes to be able to get there. We don't see the, the stuff that we have to sometimes endure, sometimes have to face, sometimes have to overcome, sometimes have to pray through. Sometimes uh, we, we do all to do but just to stand and believe in God's word and believe in his promises and believe in his provision and believe that his word is true. But, but we often tend to look at, man, that, that person is really excelling. That person is doing an incredible job, but we don't see the work that was put in uh, prior to that person uh, assuming that position. But here I'm so grateful that the Bible lets us know what is taking place in David's life prior to to one of the greatest moments of his life. I'm grateful that, that the Bible tells us, don't despise the day of small beginnings. Don't despise the day of small beginnings. Sometimes we pray and we ask God for a tree and God answers uh, with a seed. And, and when sometimes we say, this is not what I prayed for. This is not what I asked for. But if you put that seed into the ground and you fertilize it and you water it, soon enough that tree will spring up what you uh, what you have in your hand. What do you have that is available to you? Could it be that God has already answered your prayer? Could it be that al that God has already taken care of what you need? Uh, but, but the next move is your move. The next move is our move to be able to cultivate, to be able to work, and to be able to put the, the, to invest the effort that we need to be able to see what God wants to do in our lives. So don't despise the day of small beginnings, because we can see someone flourishing in their gift, but we don't know the hours that was invested to be able to get there. And we often admire and we, we, we look at them and we say, isn't it incredible to be at that point? When, when we look at athletes, that they shine on the football field, when they shine on the court, we all see the result. We see the end product, but we don't see them when they're waking up at four in the morning and go into the weight room. We don't see the work. Everybody wants the end product, but not everyone is willing to invest the time to be able to get theirs. Every, everyone wants a six pack, but, but some of us love the Chick-fil-A chocolate chip cookies from university. <sighs> Just a little bit too much. Everyone wants the results, but not everyone is willing to pay the price to get them. Can I hear an amen? So the question is, where is your gift? So the question is, where is your gift in the kingdom? Because you have been called for such a time as this. There is a gift that God has deposited on you. And what are you doing 
with that. Let's take a look at a few things to be able to cultivate that uh, this evening. What are you doing to grow your gift? We see David on the Mount of Elah, and we see the giant, and we see what takes place. But let's look at the events that preceded this great accomplishment. God anointed David, but the anointing wasn't going to do it alone. David had to do his part. David had to invest his own time. He had to cultivate his skills and his abilities to be able to develop what God had given him. God had called him. God had chosen him. God has anointed us in this place to complete his purpose in our lives, what we have in front of us. But are we willing to invest the time to be able to develop and to be able to grow and to nourish what God has put inside of us? Think of that for just a few moments. Am I doing everything that I can within my power to be able to accomplish what God has called me to do? So the first thing that I want to talk about this evening for just a few little moments is diligence. Think of that word for just a second, diligence. It's to be persistent in hard work, to be able to take a licking and keep on ticking. However you care to look at it, to be diligent and to be able to be meticulous, to be able to be detail-oriented. So think of David's life. So let's put it in perspective. How much practice did David go through how much practice did David go through that when the king needed a harp player, think of that for just a second. When the king needed a harp player, when they, when they said, you know what, let's call the most talented musician. Let's call the most equipped musician. Let's bring him to the king because there is a need. How much time did he have to invest into learning that instrument and to being able to grow and to be able to progress that, that when they said, I want the best harp player that they, they didn't even think about, they said, we want to call David. How much time do you think he invested in being able to do that? How many, how much, how many hours did he have to invest to be the best in Bethlehem? To be the absolute best. A lot of people want the benefit without the burden of the work. A lot of people want the benefit of the end product without the burden of hard work. Everyone wants a new car. Nobody wants the payments. Amen. Let's go a little bit deeper. It's like buying a table. When you open that box, maybe from Ikea, and you have a million pieces. Been there, done that. All you see is different sizes of the piece of wood. All you see is different uh, little Allen wrenches. You see different screws. You see all of this. The end product is there, but you have to assemble it. You have to put in the work to be able to read the directions. This is step one, and this is step 975. This is where, this is where I start, and this is where I need to go. Everything you need is in that box. Everything you need to accomplish the table that you want to have in your living room is in that box, 
but we have to put in the work. We have to read the directions and we have to be able to go through that. Everything that God has, has uh, that everything that you need to be able to accomplish the purpose that God has put in your life and that he has predestined, as the Bible says, is inside of you. But sometimes we don't want to do the work of going through the instructions, which is his word, and being able to align ourselves with his promise and his word and his provision to be able to say, you know what, God, I'm willing to wake up in the morning. And I'm willing to, to shut the TV off just a little bit earlier just to be able to spend some time with you. I'm willing to wake up a little bit earlier. I'm willing to do whatever I need to do to be able to see the end result because you know what? I don't want any of us in this place to, to ever let our life go by and say, you know what? I didn't reach my full potential in God. I didn't reach my, what if I would have tried a little bit harder? What if I would have done just a little bit? At 211 degrees, water is extremely hot, is extremely hot. But at 212 degrees, just one degree of difference, water begins to boil. Are you willing to put in the extra time? Am I willing? Are we willing together to just go a little bit deeper? God has placed it inside of you. But are we doing our part to assemble and to put together what God has called us to do? Because if we're going to step into our destiny, we have to, at times we have to stop and we have to dig for it and work at it. Paul told Timothy this. He said, study to show yourself approved. You don't just show yourself approved. You have to prepare. You have to do the work. You have to study to show yourself approved. So if we are going to grow as a church. And if we are going to flow in what God has given us, it is going to require some work. It's going to require some work. David didn't get the job of playing for Saul because solely because he loved God. And he has a great heart. No, he was talented. He cultivated. He took what he had and he took it to the next level. And he said, I'm going to master this. I don't know what our ta whatever our talents are. Are we doing the best at it? He didn't get the job because solely he loved God. He got it because he was good at playing the harp. He was good at it. What are we doing to grow our gift? Diligence. The second thing, excellence. Excellence. We need to do everything that we do for God with excellence. David didn't get the job, again, because his heart was in the right place. He got the job because his hands were great at playing the harp. Is having your heart... In the right place, not that important. It's definitely important, absolutely. It's definitely important, but we need to combine the spiritual aspect and the skills that God has given us and do it with excellence. Do it with excellence. So whatever you do, whether it be large or small, it should be done with excellence because God doesn't deserve anything less. 
God does not, God deserves my very best. If you're a student, if you're an employee, if you're a husband, if you're a wife, whatever you do, if you're a son, you're a daughter, whatever you do, it should be done with excellence because we're not a good billboard for God when we're a Christian and we're not doing exemplary stuff in what, and we're not being exemplary in what we're doing. On the contrary, people say, really, you go to church? I didn't know that. I would have never, I would have never caught on. David said this. He said, oh Lord, oh Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. So if his name is excellent and if the excellent God, if we believe that we are the temple of his spirit and we believe that the excellent God is in us, shouldn't everything that we do exemplify excellence for the glory of God? We, everything that we do should exemplify excellence for the glory of God. If I'm going to open the door for you, I'm going to do it with a smile and I'm going to give you a hug. And I'm going to welcome you to the house of the Lord. If I'm going to serve you a cup of coffee, it's going to be the best coffee you have ever had in the world. Not like Elf. If I do something for God, if I do something to serve you, it has to be done with excellence. Amen. The excellent God is in us, so why would we want to produce anything less than excellent? Why would we want to? And the last thing that I want to talk to you about is uniqueness. So we looked at diligence, excellence, and uniqueness. These three components. So the scripture points out something that is interesting in verse 18. If you go back, it says, he knows how to play the harp, and he is a strong and mighty warrior. That's a, that's a pretty odd combination, if you ask me. He is a mighty, valiant, uh, mighty brave man, and he knows how to play the harp. Think about that for just a moment. When was the last time you looked at someone and said, look at that guy over there. Look at that dude. He is pretty tough. And you know what? He can play a mean harp. It is, it's almost a contrast, really, in, in its reality. The statement almost contradicts itself that he is, that, that David is a strong man that, that would kill men after men after men in the warrior setting, but yet could dance before the presence of the Lord. And he could play this incredible instrument. But the truth of the matter is that these two abilities, that this, the skill set that David had, he was able to mesh it together because he needed both to be able to accomplish what God wanted to do in his life. And if he was going to be successful in his God-given mission, he needed to be great on the battlefield. And he needed to be great in playing this instrument. He needed these traits. They went hand in hand. It was what God placed in front of him. They don't go together, but he needed, he needed them. It was David's uniqueness and his ability to be able to mesh the strengths that ultimately, ultimately launched him into his destiny. The reason that David had courage to go before Saul when this giant named Goliath was going up and down and just taunting and, and belittling the people of God. The reason why David had so much courage to be able to 
go to Saul was because he had already a connection with him. He would play the harp in his presence. He knew and he had this confidence. And if he was not a skilled warrior, he would have been slaughtered when he faced Goliath. He needed access that came with the skill and that came with the ability to play this musical instrument to be able to get to the king. But he also needed to be a strong warrior to be able to know how to fight Goliath and to be able to get to this point. Could it be that God is setting you up to be able to get to a point and you've asked yourself, how, how, how is it that I can have these two things in my life or, or these things in my life that seem to contradict? The Bible says that we are fearfully and we are wonderfully made. Sometimes it seems like a contradiction when you look at those two words next to each other, but we are fearfully and we are wonderfully made. It is the uniqueness inside of you that is about to, that 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 brings about what God wants to do in your life. It is the uniqueness. There is nobody else like you. There's nobody else that can do what you can do the way you can do it. It's about taking what we have and putting it in God's hands and working at it and working at it. God had the worship team will come and join me. God strategically set David up and put him in uncomfortable situations. Think about it for just a moment. You, you're having to play for someone who's being tormented. Imagine how they could lash out. And it was uncomfortable to be in that position, but it was that position that ultimately paved the way for him to get to where he needed to be. Because when he walks into 1 Samuel 17, what he had gone through prepared him for that. So this is how I tie it in for you today. What you have been through and what you have faced, the challenges that you have gone through the ups and the downs has prepared you for your first Samuel 17. Some of us in this place have been in a hard season, caught in between a rock and a hard place and, and, and questioning and, and frustrated on the inside, worried, anxious, lonely, depressed, whatever it may be. Some of us right now are going through this where you say, God, you called me for this. But, but here I am having to wonder and having, having to be in a season of waiting. God is allowing those moments to be able to get you to a moment where it all comes together and you can see the hand of God moving your life like never before. God will give you everything that you need to be successful. Of this one thing I'm confident is what the word says that he who has begun the good work in me, he is faithful. He is faithful to complete it. God works through contradictions. He worked through David's and he can work through yours. He can work through your checkered past and your not so steady present. 
and be able to make it all work together for good. There may be some things that don't make sense to you, but God will take it all and weave your experiences together and make them make them good. The Bible tells us, and we know this, Romans 8, 28, for we know that all things, I'm, I'm, I have to remind myself of that because it says all things. It doesn't just say the things that I'm proud about, the things that I like to show off, the things that I like to talk about, the, the things that people see on Facebook. Nope, he takes all things, the things that you would never post on Facebook. He takes all things and he works them together for good. Nothing is wasted in God's economy. Nothing is wasted in God's economy. He's making something of what you went through and what you're currently going through, and he's going to work it out. He is making something of what you went through and what you're currently going through, and he is going to work it out. He'll take that negative experience, and he'll take that positive experience, and he'll take that so-so experience, and he'll make it all good. Diligence, are you working at it? Excellence, if it's for God, it ought to be good. Uniqueness, what is odd about us makes us beautiful to God. But I also have to share this before I close. It comes down to experience. Because why, why do I say experience? Because in, in chapter 16, Saul likes David. But by chapter 19, Saul is throwing spears at David, trying to kill him. And David is having to run for his life because people begin to praise David. And because people begin to acknowledge the good that he is doing, uh, the, the Bible tells us that he arrived from the battlefield and, and they saw that the, the great victory that David had. And they said, David has killed his thousands, uh, Saul has killed his thousands and David has killed his tens of thousands. And at that moment, bitterness and resentment began to settle in the heart of Saul and Saul began to chase down David and try to kill him. The gift that makes you great can also make you vulnerable. So I have to share that with you because it's not just about just, just shedding light on what's good of the scripture. What makes you great can also get you in trouble. People can begin talking about you, can begin chasing you. The same gift that makes you shine also makes you vulnerable. But God will arrange every experience and take it. So don't get discouraged when things start to look down. Don't get discouraged when things begin to go on a roller coaster. It's life. We all go through it. The Bible says that the rain falls on the just and the unjust in like manner. We've all go through hard times. Don't let the, don't let the dark times discourage you from reaching and growing into who God has called you to be. Father, I thank you. I thank you. I thank you in this place. I thank you in this place, God, that your word reigns true. I thank you that your word brings hope, brings encouragement, brings healing, brings deliverance, brings freedom. I thank you for every 
moment. God, I praise you right now, not just for the good times, but I praise you for the bad times. I praise you because if I had not gone through that, I would not praise you the way I praise you now. If I hadn't been heartbroken, I would have never let, let, let you into my heart so you could show me what true love is. I, I thank you that if I had never been deceived, I would have never known, God, that you are a, a faithful companion and that you are true to whatever you say. I thank you that if I had never been without money, I wouldn't know that you are. You are my provider. I thank you that if I would have never been sick, I wouldn't know you as a healer. I'm grateful, God, not only for the good times, but I'm grateful for the bad times, God. I'm grateful that, that in those moments, God, that your strength is made perfect in weakness. And I thank you for every heart that is here today. I thank you for every believer that is gathered in this place right now, God, that you not only see the good, that you not only take the good in our lives, but you take the negative experience, that we could learn from that, that we could grow from that, that we could be better because of that. I thank you, God, that our past is forgiven, that our future, God, is in your hands, and that our, that our present, God, is secure because of who you are. God, right now, and I thank you, I thank you in this place for everyone in this, in this moment that is making that is recommitting, that is saying, God, I place what you have given me in your hands and I commit to work at it. I commit to be better. I commit to be better every day. God, help us see the potential that you have. Help us not be discouraged by the downtime or by, or by the negative experiences. Don't help us to not be discouraged from the dark moments in life, God. But let us at all points and at all times acknowledge you. We trust you. We acknowledge you. And we know that you will direct our paths. I'm grateful for who you are to us. I'm grateful that we have the privilege to be able to know you. I'm grateful that we have the privilege to be able to worship the true and living God. I'm grateful for this moment right now, God, that we just get to lift you up and that we get to worship you and that we get to magnify you. Let your word accomplish its purpose in this place. Your word never returns void. I thank you, God, for changing for restoring. I thank you for bringing hope, bringing new perspective. I thank you for bringing new vision. I thank you, God, for what you are doing in this place today, for lifting us up, for changing us. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen.